Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network. It's the only place with a show for every team in Los Angeles and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, iHeart, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Sports. Your LA Sparks finished third in the league for the second consecutive season, but were again eliminated from the playoffs by the Connecticut Sun. The Sparks finished 15-8 and overall, and we're going to hear in just a few moments from head coach Derek Fisher. Guiding us as always through this media conversation is the director of communications and public relations, Eli Horwitz. We begin with Doug Feinberg of the AP. What's the first thing you did when you actually got out of the bubble and got home? Like, what was the first besides seeing family and friends? Like, what's the first meal you had that wasn't a uh, a bubble special? <laughs> Question is, you've had some time to reflect. What what do you guys need to work on most to get to the title chance next year? Yeah, no. Um, the the non basketball question um, definitely. The first thing was, you know, just like long, the longest hugs ever uh, for. Um, you know, my, my fiance and, and um, the kids and, you know, just trying to get to them as quickly as possible, um, you know, after we wrapped up and um, yeah, there were special moments and, um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't an easy experience, um, but, but I think one that, you know, we all learned from as a family and, and I think our Sparks family as well, you know, learning uh, from the experience. Um, in, in terms of the meal, um, I mean, honestly, it was, you know, I had not cooked, I hadn't driven a car, like I hadn't done some of the most basic things, uh, you know, in a few months almost. Uh, so just, you know, getting back and being able to get in the kitchen myself and, um, you know, my kids requested uh, uh, spaghetti that I like to cook and that I've, uh, you know, found a pretty good recipe for it. That was, uh, that was what we went with the, the first time we were able to have a family meal. Um, so from a basketball perspective, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, it's an interesting question because we, in, in the two seasons that I've been here, it's hard to compare the two seasons, uh, you know, because of what 2020 presented. And I think that, uh, you know, looking back just on this season, uh, you know, the, the inability to practice um, and the way you had to manage your way through the season, um, I thought that we, you know, accomplished some really good things. But, of course, you know, at the professional level, uh, if you don't win or win at all, quote unquote, um, you know, you have things to get better at. And so for us, uh, I think, you know, we'll continue to evaluate from a roster construction standpoint. Um, you know, I think also just from an organization standpoint, uh, you know, how we want to do things on a daily basis, our culture, um, our staff, uh, the things that we prioritize from sports medicine, strength and conditioning, uh, the type of young ladies and women that we want to have. Um, you know, I, I think we were really proud of our group from that standpoint because we knew coming into this season that it would be about more than basketball. And, um, you know, when you think about the, the, the positive 
uh, burden that our particular group carried with NECA's responsibilities as president of the PA, Candace's visibility as a, as a voice and leader uh, for a, a lot of women in, in sports and in business and, and the career she has in broadcast, uh, the things Chelsea was in, doing with, with her organization um, in, in terms of getting out the vote and, uh, and the, the assist initiative that she had going on. Like there was so much more um, that our players were carrying than basketball. Uh, and so I just think overall, they deserve a lot of credit for what we were still able to do and get done. Um, but again, just to, to bring it back to what you asked from a basketball perspective, um, we, we want to and will get better. And, and a lot of that will start with what type of team do you need uh, in order to compete for championships in the WNBA right now? Uh, when you look at Seattle and Vegas in the finals now, um, and you look at Washington, you know, being whole again next season, uh, and some of, you know, a couple of the other teams that will be adding significant talent back to their roster. How do we compete with that? And those are the things that we'll have to discuss in the coming days and weeks. John W. Davis, Winsider. If I could ask you something to kind of follow up on what Doug was talking about, and you mentioned roster construction, and this is a discussion that I've kind of had internally with myself and then externally with other people. Uh, do you think that the Sparks could be successful in 2020 if you had a roster with only four post players instead of five post players? And that's something that could possibly give you just a, a little bit more depth, maybe at guard or at wing? Um, looking back, or you mean looking forward to, to Look, looking for looking forward? Yeah. Do you think you could? Because the last two seasons you've had five post players, mm -hmm. but you haven't played all five post players consistently. Mm -hmm. so I'm saying, looking forward in 2021, do you think that you could construct a roster where you had a core four post players and you said, "This is who I'm going with," and then you use that extra depth in a different way? Yeah, I think it depends on on, on the, the personnel and, and the player. You know, I, I think Candace's versatility um, always gives us room from that regard, right? To have what you would consider to be four bigs and, and then Candace's ability to literally play probably four positions, if not five, um, you know, depending on how she's shooting the ball, uh, you know, on a given night. So you know, we feel like we have that versatility for the most part, even if we technically are carrying five big players, um, you know, but but it's a it's a fair question. Again, especially when you look at the way the, the teams that have been successful in recent years in the W are constructed, uh, you know, they I think they carry five bigs when you look at Washington last season winning the title, um, you know, with Deladon. Tiana Hawkins, Hines Allen, who didn't play a lot, who's obviously a really good player, uh, Emma Misaman, and Latoya Sanders. Uh, so those are five big players, even though they don't play that fifth one, but it was their versatility at the wing with Atkins and Powers and Cloud, um, you know, and, and, and that type of style, you know, Walker Kimbrough would come off and get a few minutes. When you look at this Seattle team that won the title in 18 and that are back in the finals now, you know, with Mercedes Russell and Howard and Brianna Stewart um, and then Crystal Langhorn, uh, you know, they have Mac Begore, Morgan Tuck, who's been out with injury a little bit, you know, so technically five, but it, Bri Brianna Stewart and Natasha Howard are forwards that are really versatile 
you know, Howard can play the center, you can play Stewart at the center. Uh, so I think going forward for us to, to, to bring it back specifically to us, like we, um, you know, I think we can go in the direction that, you know, we, we choose, which is, which is a good place to be in, in some regards. Um, but it, it literally depends on the player herself. And again, I think Candace gives us the ability to go either way, right? Like where we could go, um, you know, smaller quote unquote, in terms of four uh, players that are considered to be big, but you still need that, that length and the size, you know, when you think about the, the size of, of these players in the W in the front court, like you, you can't go out there, you know, with six feet, you know, tall, you know, forwards and centers, like you just, you won't be able to rebound. Uh, you won't be able to physically play the game you, the way you need to play it. So even if she isn't uh, quote unquote, a center, right. As a big, like you're saying, we still will need like the length, um, the wingspan to, to rebound outside of her area, to get deflections, uh, to, to be comfortable finishing the ball around the basket in traffic and through contact. You, you do need some size and length from that regard, um, but it, it, it'll depend on who, who the players are. We'll be back with more Believe in Sparks on the Believe Podcast Network with head coach Derek Fisher after this message from our sponsor. Isn't it great that football's back? You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino because it never closes. So head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. What are you waiting for? That's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Go to Miriam Swanson, LA Daily News. Yeah, so I guess you've talked to us a lot, and I guess you talked to the team too a lot about sort of your championship experiences and and how much how important relationships are and how much of a process it all is. Um, I guess watching the run that the Lakers are on now, does does that sort of reinforce that or kind of remind you of, of all those memories and, and thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, I think what comes to mind when 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 posed that type of question is is like typically we only remember, and when I say we, like collectively, right? Society, media, folks outside of the locker room or like, you know, if the, the players that haven't been through uh, the, the failures and the down periods of time before the championship success. Um, and so when, when you see a team or you are the team that is, right on the precipice of breaking through to like your championship moment. Uh, the reason why grown men and grown women cry hysterically in those moments is because literally every failure, injury, mistake, shortcoming, uh, when you didn't get it done, the way people questioned you, talked about you, hated on you, like it all just comes rushing out. And people tend to like forget, you know, they have um, sometimes on like social media, when you look up stuff related to success, right? And it'll have uh, a picture of an iceberg and it shows how like, you know, we all see the part of the iceberg that is above the ocean water, 
but we don't see that big part of the biggest part of the iceberg is the part that's underwater, right? So the hard work, the failure, the struggles, the times you didn't make it happen. Um, so when I see a team like whether it's what the Lakers appear to to be on the on the edge of and 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 around the corner from being able to win a championship, or when we get to that point, um, it's the times when it didn't happen. Like for us, the first time that we won a championship in two thousand, you know that was four years of frustration and you know playoff losses and getting swept out of the playoffs by the Utah Jazz and having to learn what it actually takes to win as a group, not because there weren't guys that aren't, weren't capable of winning individually, but how do we do this together as a group? Um, and, you know, I think those are the lessons that you learn when, you know, you, you're eliminated from the playoffs and you have to watch other people go on. Uh, hopefully it, it sharpens you and hardens you in terms of your determination uh, to come back and be better. And that's, you know, that's really what it's all about. And the greatest players and the greatest teams, like they, they all figured that out. Um, that, you know, you can go back in the history of the greatest players and the greatest coaches and very few of them, you know, in their first year together or their first year get, you know, working on something, it just all comes together. And if it does, at some point there's some down years coming and then they have to figure out how to rebuild it again. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in the midst of our building process, um, even though we get compared to, you know, the tradition of success within the Sparks, but, um, you know, we just have to be willing to continue to do the work. Over to Howard Megdahl with Next Hoops. It's sort of a, a, a two-part thing. The first part is just, looking at what you guys have done particularly well over these two years and, and, and where there's been some struggles, you've been a top three defensive team both years in the regular season and your defense is held throughout the playoffs. The, the offense hasn't performed quite at that level. And then there's been a real offensive dip in the playoffs in, in both of these years. And I guess I'm, I'm wondering what you're seeing as to why and then also, as you've taken some time to think about what you have, and you talked about the way this team needs to look, does this team need large structural changes to address that? Or is that something where at the margins you think they can make those changes? And I just had a follow-up after that. Okay. Yeah, no, I think the, the, the first part of the question, um, or the first question, um, yeah, I think that we, um, in particular this season, uh, we're able to accomplish some wonderful things offensively as well. Um, you know, I think in terms of our offensive rating, maybe we were five um, or, or six, but in terms of historically for our team, um, you know, the, 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 our points per game, um, you know, being in the top five in terms of scoring 85, 86 points per game, you know, leading the league in three point field goal percentage, um, you know, being second in the league, I think, in overall field goal percentage, you know, franchise records for a number of different offensive categories. Like we're we're moving in the direction that I would like for us to move in in terms of being a team that is really versatile offensively, uh, where all five players are capable of passing, shooting, dribbling, making good decisions with the basketball. Um, and I think because that is new, right, and because 
I've asked our players to do things differently than what they had historically done them. Uh, I think that when we get into the postseason, when the pressure is at its highest, uh, the expectation levels are at its highest. I saw something the other day that said, when, like when, when things are at their most uncertain, we've, we're gonna go to the things that are most certain to us. And so I think that what typically happens for us is we're gonna, we, and as human beings, like we're gonna revert to what our habits have been because it's hard to trust a new thing. And that's what we have to continue. And that just takes time, right? You know, we, uh, from 2019, the way our roster was constructed to 2020, um, you know, it's a completely different team. Although at the top of it, right? Like people just like to look at our roster and say, Chelsea Gray, Neca, Candice, you know, whoever else they like to add into the, whether it's big three or sometimes they feel like we, they say we got a big six because they, they start throwing Shimon, I mean, Simone and Shanae and Christy and everybody's a Hall of Fame player. So we're just supposed to win. Um, but they, it's people just sometimes tend to forget and maybe us included um, how difficult it is when you're talking about five or six new players, personnel, personalities, egos, etc. Uh, so, you know, I think in particular in a single elimination format and the way the pressure really intensifies in the W, um, you have to have a level of trust and faith in what you have built so that when things do get hard and you're, and you're going to rely on your habits, there's players are still not having to choose between old habits and new habits. It's like, no, I've built the new habit. I'm going to go with that one. Uh, and this year, I think with there being no practice, it was hard to continue to develop the new habits that I asked of them and our staff was asking of them on, on the offensive end. Um, the, the second question in terms of roster construction, um, you know, how our team can be built. No, I, I think I'm always of the belief that there's enough, right? That, that you have enough, like we have enough to get it done. If, if our team is the same, um, historically in sports, you know, you don't really always come back with the same team you had the year before. Uh, it's just, it's, it's just a difficult thing to do. There's usually going to be some level of change. Um, how much change, you know, that's for ownership and management and, and as a group for us to figure out and the players and the agents themselves, you know, making decisions that they feel like are best for them in their careers, um, you know, at this time. But I don't think we necessarily have to, you know, like make these wholesale large, you know, roster changes just to have a chance to compete and win because a lot of, uh, a lot of the things that, uh, really, I think are like keys to winning are not necessarily uh, just talent related or roster construction related. Uh, a lot of it is uh, the the mental uh, capabilities and willingness, uh, the the self discipline that, regardless of who the player is, is she willing and capable of having the discipline level, the commitment level, the attention to detail. Uh, that it takes to win at the highest levels. Uh, yeah, could any team would choose to maybe want to be faster, longer, um, be able to shoot better, be able to jump higher, 
whatever, you know, those things are. But the, the truly great teams, um, they put together a collection of, of individuals that really find a way to enhance each other's strengths and weaknesses. And they think the game in a way from a basketball IQ standpoint, from a chemistry standpoint, from a togetherness standpoint, um, that, that that's what makes them special. And that's what we have to continue to focus on and build and, and reach for. It's not just slapping names on a piece of paper because her name is this, but who is she? How is she made up? And not only that, like who are we and how are we made up so that all of those things align uh, and everyone is like, you know, we have a shared vision and a shared purpose for what we're trying to do. And every day we're talking about that, we're messaging that, we're living that out, the way we practice, uh, the way we interact with each other, like it all fits together. Um, and again, that's that's not an easy thing to do with so much change happening, right? A change on the roster, change in the front office, change in, in the, the season format, uh, you know, a change in the purpose of why we even had this season, like, uh, and they're still trying to find ways to be consistent. Uh, you know, those are not easy things to do, but, you know, it's sure. to, to keep finding a way to, to make the effort. And, and, and that's my, my other uh, question, just to follow up on that. When, we, when we're speaking in terms of continuity, uh, you know, you've, you've now been part of an organization that, you know, has Michael Fisher as, as an interim GM for, um, you know, a little over a calendar year. And I just, I wonder if you've uh, gotten any sort of clarity from the organization about if and when there'll be uh, a permanence, either uh, the interim tag lifted um, or some other mechanism, you know, because like you said, when you're talking in terms of continuity, having some knowledge of how and, and, and in what way the organization will be structured, I would think, uh, would help play a part in that. And I wonder if you think that would be a useful thing to you as well. Yeah, no, I think I think it ultimately will be useful for for everyone. Um, but you know, to be frank, we haven't gotten to that yet um, in terms of this uh, season. I think we've you know really, which is why this is I think great to be able to do today um, is to you know continue to um, after and and I know for me, right? I've even tried to allow our players in a lot of ways to just kind of like leave Bradenton get home safely, kind of go through the process of transition and decompression that comes with leaving a situation like that. Uh, you know, I know Brittany Sykes is already in, in, in Europe and, and we have some players that are kind of figuring out what their next steps are. Um, but before kind of looking ahead too far, just giving everyone an opportunity to kind of catch their breath and then kind of put the button or, or the, the, the um, you know, kind of final assessments and evaluation on this season. And then hopefully in the coming days and, and in the next couple of weeks, you know, we'll be able to start to turn the page to like, okay, now that 2020 is wrapped up, um, you know, players that are going overseas and have made those decisions, uh, players that are going to be, you know, back home or back in market, you know, I'm making sure that players from a health perspective, you know, things that we may or may not need to assist them in, just really making sure 2020 is, is finished the right way. Um, and then, you know, being able to turn the page and then say, okay, as an organization, um, how do we see 
ourselves and how can we best move forward um, to put ourselves in position, not just to compete for championships on the court, uh, but to really, you know, be in an organization of business that is operating at the highest levels of efficiency, of productivity, of innovation, of collaboration, creativity. Um, and so hopefully, to be honest, how we will we'll be able to do that over the next couple of weeks and have some of those honest and, and transparent conversations, even though we haven't, you know, had them to this date. Um, but I'm, I'm confident we will. Um, I, I know that ownership wants to figure a lot of these things out. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident we'll get to that in, in the next couple of weeks. Shoot me and you in with the LA Times. Maybe this is uh, looking too far ahead, but you were mentioning roster construction, and I know you're looking forward to getting Christy and Chanae back next year. Where does that leave Rashonda and Taya for the future, who obviously you signed to sub in for those guys, but where does that leave them in the future, whether for you or somewhere else in this league, especially for Taya, who competed so well as kind of like the second chance rookie? Yeah, no, I mean, we we have a whole lot of, <laughs> um, you know, like spots and, and spaces to, to figure out and fill. Um, and it's not necessarily all our, uh, choice or, or, you know, we're not completely in control of how these things play out in terms of roster construction either um, because of the number of, of free agents and unrestricted free agents that, uh, you know, that we currently have. And so, uh, you know, even mentioning uh, Shanae, like, you know, we, uh, we love Shanae. We, we've loved having her here. You know, we, we missed her this season, but she's in control of what she does next, regardless of whatever conversation we can have with her about wanting her back. Um, you know, NECA, Candice, Chelsea, Raquana, uh, on, on down the list uh, of, you know, conversations that we're going to have to have and, and how to put it all together in a way that um, can meet, you know, the, the needs and the, and the wants that they'll have as players and keep those things aligned with the organizational goals and, and how to put a roster and a team together that can compete this year, next year, and, and going forward. Um, so when it comes to specifically Rashonda um, or Taya, you know, I mean, obviously Rashonda has proven herself as a player that is capable of having success in this league. Uh, you know, we, we felt really fortunate to be able to add her to our roster this season under the circumstances. Um, and even though at times she did not get to uh, live out, I think, certain uh, you know, aspirations and, and, and visions that she had in terms of being on the court. Um, she, she played well when she was on the court. And I think most importantly, she proved herself to be a high quality person and woman. And, you know, that in a season like this one, I just don't think that can be uh, overlooked or taken for granted um, because it, it really took special people to navigate the, uh, the stressors and the things that went into having this season in 2020. Uh, and I think Rashonda just deserves a lot of credit for um, staying positive, you know, keeping in line with her character and who she is and what she's about. Um, so I think she has a future in this league, whether it's with us or, or anybody um, that would, you know, it, it would be an honor to have somebody like Rashonda on your team and um, she didn't do anything to give us any reason why we wouldn't want to have her as we, you know, have those conversations. And then I think for Taya, um, you know, in, in, in a situation where it looks like she may not have even 
had a chance to play the W and then gets a phone call and comes in and really had, you know, so many bright spots and bright moments uh, for herself and for our team. Uh, you know, I think she also has proven that she can play in this league uh, and, and that she has a bright future. And, you know, how bright that is, is, is really her choice, right? You know, how much, how much time and effort uh, will she want to put into being the, the greatest possible player uh, that she can be? Uh, so, you know, the, again, that, that's uh, part of the conversation we'll have to have about how to put our team together uh, in a way that can include, um, you know, whether it's Taya, whether it's Rashonda, you know, the list of free agents that I, that I named earlier uh, that have been at the top of our roster for the last couple of years and then obviously longer before my time here um, and, and try and do all of that in a way, again, that, uh, you know, keeps the organization in a position where we can compete and be at, you know, at, at the highest levels in this league, but also be able to sustain that uh, as we move forward, you know, year in and year out. Thank you. We'll go over to Brady Klopper with SB Nation. I'm wondering, you know, talking with the players throughout the year, there was a lot of talk about being in the bubble, kind of socializing, fraternizing a little bit, and, and an opportunity both as teammates and even with their opponents to get to spend more time with their fellow players on their team and in the league. And I'm wondering for you as a coach, how do you kind of balance that line? Cause you're kind of the authority figure, but you're also a member of the team. And in that kind of summer camp setting of sorts where everyone is living together, spending time together, how do you kind of balance that role as coach in spending time off the court with your team versus giving them space? And then just that socialization of the entire team, how do you feel that plays a role moving forward in bringing people together a little bit closer, maybe helping accelerate chemistry? Yeah, no, I, I, uh, great, great, great questions, uh, Brady. I think the, the first one, um, definitely a balancing act, right, with, um, you know, being in a leadership position and um, in a position that comes with, I think, you know, a level of authority and decision-making power, et cetera, um, and so, yeah, you do need to balance the way you, uh, you know, interact and, and, and spend time with, you know, players and, and staff to some degree. Uh, but I do believe there's been, uh, an evolution in that regard in terms of, uh, you know, just like in other businesses and industries where, you know, the, the cubicles and the hierarchy and, you know, only certain people are allowed to take the elevator up to certain floors. And that like, that has changed across almost all business uh, landscapes. And I think in sports, in some ways, it's also changing uh, where, you know, it's okay for the coach, you know, to, uh, to have a meal, you know, with his or her players. It's okay to, um, you know, whether it's in a social setting, you know, at the, uh, at the restaurant that's at the hotel at, at IMG Academy, or, you know, there were times this year where, um, you know, we had uh, a, an all team, you know, in terms of food being served and watching games and, and playing card games and board games and, you know, really a, a family style type of experience. Um, you know, I think those things are more accepted um, and, and more needed by players for sure. And I think it can be beneficial for coaches. I, I do think that in addition to individual conversations, 
um, you know, being around your players in a group setting and really just confirming the fact that we're all human and that even though I'm your coach, like I am a person and vice versa. Um, so I, I think those things are positives. And so then into the second part of what, what you mentioned and asked, um, I, I think this year we, we remarked several times, especially as coaches, that there were things that happened that never would have happened if we weren't in this situation. Uh, the amount of times that we were together as a team, um, you know, the players themselves having, uh, you know, time to go spend with each other after practice in the evenings, um, the way the training room was set up and orchestrated, you know, the players, you know, being there at the same time, oftentimes, and being able to laugh and talk and share and, uh, and just really get to know one another outside of just the practice hours. Uh, and then typically when you're in market, uh, everybody just kind of goes their own way and does their own thing. Um, and so there are definitely some pros and cons to, uh, you know, the, the bubble life. Um, but I definitely think some of the, the pros were the acceleration of time together as a group. And honestly, I think that's what for our team, and I can't speak for others, um, allowed us in a very, very, very difficult and challenging situation uh, to have still a good feeling about coming to work every day um, because of how much they enjoy being around each other. And I, and I think that type of environment is what kind of allowed that to happen this year. Chantel Jennings with The Athletics. I'm curious how much you spoke with players throughout the season in terms of taking care of themselves mentally in addition to physically, but just mentally and emotionally, um, especially with someone like NECA who had so many responsibilities. And do you feel like that emotional and mental responsibility, that positive burden played a part in the physical fatigue of this season? Uh, no question. No question about it. Um, that's not, uh, um, you know, I think a, a way out of anything or, or an excuse to any degree is, is just a reality um, that, you know, when, when you are in uh, that level of, of leadership and that position and, and, you know, the weight that she carried, not just while we were there, but even just getting to that point as a league and, and with the Players Association, um, it definitely contributes uh, to uh, not necessarily even acute or traumatic injury, uh, but just, you know, there's only so much energy that you have as a person day to day. Um, and there are only so many things that you can utilize that energy on and still operate at an optimal or elite level. And so the more things that you are managing, uh, the more things you're putting energy into, which lessens the energy that you can put into something else. Um, and as amazing as, as NECA has been, was this season and will continue to be, um, you know, the, the amount of energy that she had to expend, just holding it together for herself, for her teammates, uh, for every other player and team there. Uh, I can only imagine how she must have felt on a daily basis how difficult it was. Um, also the burden that she's carrying in 2020 as a black woman uh, in this country and how draining that is. Um, 
it was just a lot. And so I think for NECA uh, and for all of our players, you know, again, it, it's easy to focus on, you know, what we didn't do, um, but, you know, we're, we're thankful that we got through this season uh, with everyone in good physical health. Um, they took a lot of pride and responsibility and care and following all of the COVID protocols and guidelines to make sure that we didn't, um, you know, have any uh, issues and the things that we can control as far as COVID. Um, and, and just with the messages that they were carrying in regards to social justice and things that were much bigger than basketball. Like, I, I don't know if it could have gone any better from those perspectives. And then of course, you know, the basketball piece went well, everybody wants to win a championship, but, uh, I think there's a lot we can take from this year and, and uh, you know, neck included and, you know, figure out how to be better going forward. And part of that is, um, you know, now going forward, right? How do we learn how to be the best version of ourselves while we still carry a lot of these things forward? Like social justice, racial inequalities, gender inequalities, um, you know, underserved and underrepresented communities and groups of people, like that's not gonna stop after we finish this interview. So, you know, now that these things are in the forefront of everybody's mind as athletes, you know, learning how to compete still at a high level, if that's the choice that you're making and still compete and, and, and challenge yourself in these other areas, um, how to put all of that together, uh, that's new for a lot of these athletes. And so there, there's gonna be some, you know, kind of growing pains in, in those areas as well. Amanda Skurlock, LA Sentinel. How did you manage the team? Like what learning lessons you get um, from managing the team, especially through the weeks where you had a game every other day? Like what lessons can you take from that? How did you kind of, what challenges did that bring up? How did you overcome them? And how do you plan on using that moving on? Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the game every other day, um, you know, really kind of took, took me back personally to, you know, more of my NBA experience. Uh, you know, with, with just how to try and manage the, uh, the workload on, on non-game days, um, how to put shoot-arounds together on the day of the game, uh, some of the adjustments that we made from like the first couple weeks of the season, uh, what time we get to the arena, uh, you know, what type of workouts and, and pre-game kind of shooting and, and, and preparation that we're going to go through. Uh, you know, we had to adjust some of those things after the first couple weeks. Um, and then we kind of we went on that nine game uh, winning streak after making some of those adjustments and kind of figuring out, OK, what's going to work best in this setting. Um, and and so a lot of it you know, was kind of adjusting, OK, how long are we going to practice? Um, what are we going to focus on on those nine game days? And it, it really became much more uh, of, of watching video, talking about things, walking through things on the court. Um, and, and really trying to allow them, uh, and because of the things that we just talked about um, and how many other conversations and things that they would have after practice, um, you know, that saving really all of their energy for the games only, that, that is really what it came down to. And I think that's what allowed us to really stay healthy, um, you know, for most of the season uh, and the injuries that, that TRP and Sydney sustained were, you know, physical, you know, acute traumatic injury. We, we did not have 
uh, other than really NECA because of her, uh, you know, burdens and things that she uh, carried. Uh, we didn't really have any of the overuse type of injuries that we saw take place around the league this year. Uh, and we feel very good about that. I think, uh, I think Courtney uh, deserves a lot of credit from an athletic training and sports medicine standpoint and Terrence Gaines uh, and the work that they did to, to help keep our players healthy. And then as coaches, you know, we tried our best to, to be responsible uh, in that way as well. And that was one of our object objectives going into this season is that we, we had a responsibility to our, to our women to make sure that they did not come out of this season um, broken into pieces that wouldn't allow them to not just whatever their plans would be in terms of going overseas, but like us having a chance to, you know, compete next season as well, uh, to not throw everything away with trying to do something for now uh, that is short-sighted uh, and selfish, really, to, to put players in a position where they're jeopardizing their careers with everything that they were carrying uh, by trying to do too much, uh, you know, on those nine game days. Uh, so hopefully that answered the question. Um, you know, we, we definitely tried to be really smart with those days and maybe it cost us at the end, you know, we, uh, again, there was, I don't know if anybody practiced once the season started. Um, I know we didn't and, you know, it, it, it's hard to, um, you know, build build certain habits if you're not getting that practice time in. To uh, Nick Hamilton, Nightfall Media. Now that you've had some time to reflect, obviously being back in the comfort of, of your home and, and back in the city, um, you, you mentioned earlier about it being going through so much as far as having to coach under the circumstances that you had to coach under in the bubble and then dealing with social justice issues, obviously being uh, in, in the forefront of conversation about raising awareness about social injustice. Um, and voting, but was there any talk about also in addition to those things, was there any talk amongst the players or you all as far as continuing that plight and continuing the conversations and moving it forward along with uh, any conversations about reparations as well and trying to move that forward? Yeah, no, um, not specifically in relationship to reparations, but for sure, um, you know, the initiatives, whether it's through our organization and the team, um, you know, one of our big um, initiatives and messages this year was that change has no off season. Uh, and so it, it won't stop for us because the season is over. Uh, we're still going to have, you know, many of our staff and, and folks on the business side and um, in our community relations and, and PR that we're still going to be championing for things. Uh, there's still going to be programs and initiatives like we mentioned earlier with, with uh, Chelsea's um, initiative in terms of assist for equality and uh, the Equality California initiative that, you know, she raised, she helped to raise almost $12,000 uh, for that program. Uh, and, and, you know, for myself, and, and I'm sure other people that, you know, there are things that we're continuing to do uh, to remind people about registering to vote, getting out to vote. Um, and then I think, you know, we, we, you know, we, I think as we do things, right, we still, and we talk about this a lot, we, we still, have to show room and space for everybody doesn't see all of these issues the exact same way or in a monolithic fashion. So we can champion for things that we really passionately believe in, but then we also have to leave room for individual players that have a belief in these regards. Uh, she has to have room to, to make her own decision uh, on certain things. And so in a lot of ways as an organization, 
we try and support what our players are doing. And then we take a larger role in helping amplify those things uh, to make sure we're not stepping over or stepping on things that are really important to them. Uh, because we're, you know, we're, we're here to serve, you know, what they need from us. Um, and then also serve the, the community as well. Sabrina Merchant with SB Nation. We talked a little bit earlier this season about how you guys were keeping Fred Williams involved, even though he wasn't in the bubble. And I'm just curious how you felt his absence this season. And then also what sort of role Kerry Corver was able to play on the team this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we definitely missed, um, you know, Fred's presence, uh, his, uh, he has a very, uh, calming and uh, stable energy about him. And I think that during the course of a season when everyone's emotional uh, levels are high and low for different reasons at different times, uh, Fred was always able to just kind of help us all keep certain things in, in perspective. Um, and so we missed having him around and that, that doesn't even speak to his basketball pedigree and, uh, you know, the understanding of the game and, and, and this league, uh, that he helps us with as well, but he was able to pass those things along like that. That's not information that we weren't receiving, uh, from him throughout the course of the season. Uh, it was just more so his physical presence again, and his energy. Uh, the way our players respect having him around and what he brings to our group. Um, you know, we, we missed him, but, uh, you know, we, we understand and respect the decision that he made. And, and again, he was just as involved in putting together plans and scouting reports and practice plans as, you know, as he would have been if he was physically there. Um, Carrie, you know, the job that she was able to do uh, kind of coming in, uh, on short notice and playing a little bit more of a basketball role than an operations role. Um, she deserves, you know, uh, a gold medal for the effort that she put in. Like that, it was, that was not easy. She ended up with, I think, much different responsibilities than she signed up for uh, when she accepted the job. I mean, it was prior to even knowing that we were going to be in a bubble uh, and in that single site scenario. So she had no idea what, you know, taking this job would entail. Um, and she was able to help us a lot, not just from an operation standpoint, logistics, but her, her basketball understanding and knowledge, uh, you know, even though she didn't have to carry heavy workload uh, in, in terms of X's and O's and strategy, she still has insight and experience and awareness of the game that uh, was helpful for me and I, and I know it was helpful for Coach Latricia as well. Uh, we were thankful to have her this year. We, we, we would not have been able to, you know, have success without her being there either. Well, thank you so much, Coach. Thank you so much to all the media who joined. Very, very good turnout and appreciate everyone's coverage. Uh, I don't know, Coach, if you have any final words, but I think that's it. Yeah, no, I just want to, uh, again, thank everyone for the time uh, and the effort to try and you know, amplify what these ladies are doing uh, in this league. Uh, I know it's not easy. And I know you have to sometimes fight your own battles uh, to get, you know, the things that you're working on uh, prioritized and placed the way you want it to be placed. Uh, and so, you know, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, we feel like what you were able to do for us and our team this season, uh, you know, it contributed to the overall success for the whole league. 
um, because I think there were a lot more people that were aware of what our ladies were doing, um, how the season was going, uh, who they are beyond just basketball players and athletes. Um, and so, yeah, just really thankful uh, for the way you approach doing things and um, the, the way you ask questions, the thoughts you put into it, um, you know, the, the fact that you're fair um, and, and objective, but also, um, you know, if you need to ask a hard question, you'll ask it as well. So I, I really appreciate it personally. I know our team appreciates it and uh, wish you all good, good health and, and safety over these next few months. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see you again soon. As always, special thanks from Sydney and me to Eli Horwitz and Natalie Gilmore for always making these media conference calls um, successful. We thank you guys so much. And special thanks to head coach Derek Fisher for his time, for his genuine comments. Uh, clearly, we love being part of, of this podcast, and, and we love bringing you all the news and notes from the LA Sparks. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, iHeart, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Sports. Follow me at SweetBaby24 on Instagram and Twitter and Stacy at Stacy Pates on both platforms as well. Interested in advertising on this show? Please contact Believe at Believe.com. For Sydney Weiss, I'm Stacey Pates. Thank you for listening to this episode of Believe in Sparks on the Believe Podcast Network. This has been a presentation of betonline.ag. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money.